0: Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. We've got a big podcast today, including an interview with Martin Vasquez. But first, let's catch up on U.S. men's national team news, starting with the biggest news of all, Christian Pulisic's move to Chelsea. As everyone already knows, the transfer fee was $73 million, triple the previous record for a U.S. international, which was set by John Brooks a couple years ago. Pulisic is already a Chelsea player now, but he's been loaned back to Dortmund for the rest of the season, and he will fight for a spot at Chelsea this summer. Greg, what are your thoughts?
1: (laughs) My thoughts are good on Christian Pulisic for getting
0: paid. Yeah. I heard on the Total Soccer Show they they sort of estimated his wages at 80000 a week, $80,000 a week, which is, yeah, congratulations,
1: Christian. <laughs> uh, so that, that was my first thought is good on him. Like that's that's a massive deal for a kid to make. Um, should we talk about the soccer implications?
0: Yeah, there was a lot of hand-wringing in U.S. circles over various things. And I gather you're here to um, – Solve
1: everyone's wounds. <laughs> I'm not. I there are there are a bunch of unknowns about his future his future at Chelsea. My big thing is uh, there are just as many unknowns about his future with Borussia Dortmund. It's just in in this at the upper echelons there are no guarantees. There are no guaranteed successful moves. There's no plan that you, we know for sure he's going to continue to develop or be in an ideal environment to play. So. For me, Chelsea's just as good as anywhere else. Uh, And again, congratulations to the to the twenty year old for setting himself up financially.
0: Right. So, what about the whole concern about Chelsea being just a crueler employer than even Borussia Dortmund? Like, does that not worry you at all?
1: Uh, I mean, it it doesn't worry me any more than Dortmund. In in fact, it's almost like a little bit. I'm a little bit less worried. In part because we already see the direction it's going at Dortmund. I mean, he is he's lost out when when Dortmund need to win a game. Uh, Christian Pulisic's not in the eleven. Uh, it's Jadon Sancho and it's uh, Bruun Larsen. So, in that sense, it's like well, if he stays at Dortmund, we know he's not he's not their main guy. He's not their go-to guy. He might be at Chelsea. Now, if Chelsea decide he's not their guy either, then then it's just sort of a he has just made a peril a lateral move. And well, that's not ideal. It's certainly not. The end of the world. Right. Lateral on the pitch, vertical in his bank account. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the game theory here was definitely a dominant uh, decision to move to Chelsea. <laughs> what if he flames out? What if he flames
0: out just like you say is possible? Isn't that a disaster?
1: I, I don't think so. We we already know he's the best attacker on the U.S. men's team. That's not going to change whether he um, can't can't find the field for Chelsea or not uh it would suck i'd, I'd be disappointed because i'm excited to see him play mm. at a high level um but if he flames out he flames out he'll move somewhere else uh in a year or six months and uh and have another go of it somewhere else it's not he wouldn't be the first uh, american to flame out donovan didn't really set europe a, a fire in his first stint there i don't think we ever necessarily saw uh saw him struggle for the u.s national team though so that's true um those things happen. michael bradley it, Almost, it's almost forgotten now. He couldn't get on the field for Aston Villa in a six-month loan. The next year, he moved to Serie A and did just fine. Um, even all those Chelsea guys that people are talking about as cautionary tales are saying, well, Mo Salah was wasted and uh, Kevin De Bruyne couldn't play. It's like, all right, and then what happened? These right. cautionary tales went on to be, you know, they went on to find success. They didn't, it wasn't the end of the road for either of those guys. If that's the cautionary tale, it's like, all right, it's not the worst thing.
0: Right. Yeah. If he, if he goes to Chelsea and, and then follows either Salah's or De Bruyne's <laughs> footsteps, I'm all for it.
1: Yeah. At this point, I, I want him to fail at Chelsea because that seems to be the real path to success. For real? Uh, there, yeah. And they're just, again, there are no guarantees. Even he couldn't even sort of step, take a step down in competition. Uh, I, I heard people floating like, well, he should sign for like a mid table team, like a West Ham or a Leicester. Uh, even that doesn't guarantee success. Uh, and I keep thinking back to Renato Sanchez being loaned from Bayern Munich to lowly Swansea City, uh, and after like three games, S- Sanchez couldn't get on the field. So there's just there's just no there's no way we will know for sure that it's going to work out. Right. Uh, I just, I just have to trust that he is still a really good player. You know, he'll continue to offer a lot of uh, excellent attacking for the U.S. And now I'm just hoping for him personally that that he has a great run at Chelsea. Yeah.
0: I guess I'll say I wouldn't. I wouldn't have paid that much for him. You know, we were banding about in our chat room, banding about transfer values for Pulisic, and I, you know, I thought maybe thirty-five, thirty, thirty-five million would have been a fair price for a guy who um, doesn't produce a lot on the stat sheet and isn't starting, like you said, the most important games for Borussia Dortmund, but. You know, like you also, like you said, I'm happy for him. And I think he does have, it's important to note here that Pulisic, by all indications, does have a good head on his shoulders. He's a hard worker who has earned the trust of a merry-go-round of managers at Dortmund, you know, repeatedly. He even earned Lucien Favre's, Favre's trust early in the season. He just lost his spot to Sancho as the season
1: progressed. So to does, eventual to eventual hundred million dollars signing Sancho.
0: Yeah, there's no shame in that.
1: Sancho is a is an incredible player.
0: So I, but what I'm saying is he, you know, he's Pulisic's already proven himself to multiple managers, uh, over and over at Dortmund. I I don't think that's going to be a big struggle for him. I I assume he will earn the trust of whoever the manager is at Chelsea. I, probably it's going to be sorry, but who knows? And um and he's good at poli- he's good at sort of politics you know even his statement thanking dortmund fans when he when the the transfer was announced was just very well done you know he has a good he has a good feel for i think like power dynamics and the right way to carry himself and i think that's that seems to serve him well
1: yeah that's, that's a good point it certainly wasn't a messy uh transfer saga uh you know he wasn't he wasn't publicly demanding to be moved or, you know, all the things that kind of, well, I mean, even at Dortmund last year when Dembele was not showing up for training to force right. his way through to bars, which I'm all for, I'm all for the players doing those kinds of things. So that's what needs to be done. Uh, but yeah, Pulisic was definitely um, sort of under the radar with, with a lot of this dealing uh, and evident that's obviously the case because Dortmund are welcoming him back for the next four months on loan. Right. Yeah, he, he clearly played. isn't a locker room poison.
0: No, he started a friendly for Dortmund this this morning. And then I think you know the, maybe the most exciting thing about this for me is just the you know this the historic nature of it the 25th or 26th largest transfer of all time. And as Berhalter said, it quote unquote paves the way for other American players. I firmly believe Pulisic is the leading edge of a new era of american players. Now I don't think there will be another 73 million dollar transfer. I don't think there will be for an american player anytime soon, but I think there will be other big transfers in the next few years and um and I think you know I I think other american players, I think other clubs, I think uh you know other nations notice when you have a player with a big transfer fee like that and that's uh that's good. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And and, and I'll and i also say just on that point, uh I don't think that Pool Sick now is like the the future US transfer fees are riding on Pool performance here. Like I don't think that if Pool Sick struggles for Chelsea, uh that that's somehow going to diminish uh Josh Sargent's eighty five million dollar move in twenty twenty one. like uh it's just it just shows that we're capable of producing players with with the kinds of ceilings um, that European clubs are going to pay massive dollars for. Right.
0: I noticed. I mean, I may be reading too much into it, but I noticed that some of the youth uh, youth national team players, Alex Mendez in particular, really noticed the uh, the transfer. There hasn't been a Mexican player sold for seventy three million dollars yet.
1: And What's do we do we know what the the Mexican record is? What did Chicharito go for when he went to United? Mm, I sh- I should know that, but I don't.
0: I know Loz- Lozano, Chucky Lozano at PSV Eindhoven was, uh, you know, was linked with Napoli for like something in the thirty million dollar range. I don't even. I'm not even sure Pulisic's a better player than Lozano, but um,
1: he's younger, right? Lozano's what? Yeah, twenty
0: three maybe.
1: Pff, old.
0: Yeah, old fart. Uh, so I think that's, uh, that's another, that's another thing that sort of plays into it.
1: Well, yeah, I want, I want all the, I want all these American kids to have dollar signs in their eyes because, uh, <laughs> that can be, that can be a great motivator. I've got no problem people being motivated for their own, for their own being. Yeah. What do
0: they have? 10, 15 years at the most to, uh, to, to get paid.
1: Got to make the most of it.
0: Anything else on Pulisic? I think we're giving no, it two thumbs up,
1: right? Yeah, I, I am for sure. I I mean, I guess I'll say I give I give every transfer like sideway thumbs. I have no idea how it's gonna turn out, but <laughs> but what I the, the beauty is I definitely know that Pulisic is in a much better position with his accountant than he was uh three weeks ago. Yep, for sure.
0: And good luck to him the rest of the season. Hopefully he gets uh, you know, a moderate amount
1: of minutes. <laughs> All right, let's talk to the, about the next kid who just who just improved his bank account situation. Yeah, Chris Richards,
0: he's back in Munich. We were we were tracking his flights, and uh,
1: he's reportedly now a Bayern Munich player. <laughs> that was some excellent A plus detective work <laughs> uh, from some of you guys uh, piecing together his flight schedule with his Instagram with what flights were flying out of Alabama slash Charlotte. Uh, landing in
0: Munich. It's kind of embarrassing, to be honest, but we did figure it out well before the uh, the news the news broke the following day. Um, Ivas Galarsip reported it's a one point five million dollar fee with a forty percent sell on clause, meaning that if Byron sell Richards for ten million dollars someday, just throwing a number out there, then Dallas would get four million dollars. Is that how math works, Greg? I, don't know, I the...
1: believe, I believe so. We're just awaiting uh, a lawsuit from uh, players union saying that restricts Chris Richards' freedom of movement. <laughs> it's good.
0: That's going to be a good payoff for Dallas, and seems like a good bit of business from them. And you know, if if Richards ends up being a a top five level center back, which I think he has a good shot at, then it's a good top, bit. Of... You're saying top top five league? Or yeah, top five top league five in the U.S. pool. Okay, top five league that's good. It's a good bit of business for Byron then too.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I could, I mean, when, if John Brooks went for 22 million us dollars, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's a, that'd be a really tidy piece of, uh, business. And, and I, I'm just using that as an example of it's not unheard of for a mid table defender to fetch 15, $16 million.
0: Right. I mean, centerbacks, anybody, everybody wants better center backs. It's kind of like, I guess everybody wants better everything, but that seems like, uh, it's a really important position. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, I'm interested in what's going to happen with Richards uh, this spring because he doesn't have UEFA UF, Youth League to play in. Bayern Munich did not advance out of their group. Uh, their That'd be the
1: U19s, okay.
0: Yeah, so he doesn't have that. They're they're also out of the domestic U19 Cup. So basically, if he stays with the U19s, he's just playing league matches. Um Across southern Germany for the rest of the year, and uh, and maybe uh, a tournament at the end of this at the end of the season.
1: I don't know. Is, I don't. Is, is that not enough? Are you saying that's not enough? Mm, I don't. Maybe it is enough. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's 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 the same situation Sebastian Soto's in, right? We'd have, we'd get some Chris Richards versus Sebastian Soto matchups, or are they in different?
0: They're in different, in different regions. regions. Yeah, they're in. It's a forty-two team league with three fourteen team tables. And, uh, and then, you know, more on Soto later, but he's, he's training with the first team right now at, at Hanover and I, and Richards is not. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, it, what, what would you think of a loan, you know, like a two Bundesliga loan or something like oh, that? Oh, I would,
1: I would for sure give that two sideways thumbs.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We, we don't know what's going to happen, but it's, uh, it's worth considering, I
1: guess. Oh, I'm, no! I'm. I think this is a good move, simply for the fact that. I, I guess I shouldn't say it's a good move. I, I'm happy that it's happening because it's a sign that Bayern value him enough, even to put him in their investment category. If they think they can move him later for more money, that's a good sign for me. Right. For Chris Richards and his and his upside.
0: Next, next guy is uh, Tim Weah. We don't have anything official yet, but he's going to Celtic on
1: loan. Everything's kind of happening at once, isn't it? Like uh, yeah. we were, we were waiting forever for the window to hit, and then a lot of times it can be anticlimactic. But no, seventy-five million dollar man, Christian Pulisic, Chris Richards on the move, and then Tim Weah getting out of PSG. Uh, this is another one where again, I don't know if he's going to work out at Celtic, but we know he wasn't going to be playing at PSG. So uh, I'm glad he's got a new chance to play. Right. It
0: seems it's- like he will
1: get a chance to play. And, and Celtic score goals. Celtic are going to score a bunch of goals. They're they're obviously sort of top dogs in the, in the Scottish Premier League, um, and they'll beat up on some of the weaker teams in that league. Uh, That's true. And I don't I don't really care that I, I just want Wea to get a bunch of opportunities and goals. Same way PSG is going to beat up on teams in France. Uh, I think Celtic are averaging like two and a half goals a game, two, which I'm calling that a lot of goals a game.
0: Seems like a lot of goals, a lot of three goal performances to get to two and a half per game, and we'll get to hope you know hopefully see him. Maybe you can put him in your. Uh, I mean, you've been putting him in your weekly graphic, but it'll that'll have a little more oomph now if he's
1: actually going to play. <laughs> yeah, now it'll actually be worth trying to find a stream, whereas we never had to. We never had to really worry about missing him play for PSG.
0: Yeah, I stopped recording PSG games on Fubo a long time ago. Tyler Adams. Tyler Adams is the next one. His move is nothing new. That was announced a while ago, but he seems to be settling in nicely at Leipzig. Alpha dogging it at a press conference with Ralph Rangnick, talking about his German girlfriend, uh, demanding the ball in six v six drills, according to reports from the local newspaper. Looking very much at home in training. All the signs are are good. I still, I'm still not as optimistic as you that he's gonna. That he's going to be starting games right out of the gate, but
1: he's got a good head on his shoulders too. He does, doesn't he? I wish he was just, I wish we could just have him wear the U S captain's armband at all times. So like, I think <laughs> if I feel like he could have been wearing the U S captain's armband during that Leipzig interview, uh, I love that we have the magnifying glass on his six V six drills in the, in the winter break training sessions. Right. Uh, um, <laughs> it will be it will be particularly devastating if Tyler Adams is buried on the bench for the next five months, yeah, it seem it's seeming
0: less likely just sort of reading the tea leaves. some good news, some good good news out of France after a drought of good news from Matt Miazga, he made it into the lineup for a not in a cup match. So maybe that bodes well for his spring. Maybe the loan won't be terminated. Who knows?
1: Yeah, that one's I, I don't I'm not gonna place too much stock on his on his cup uh, appearance. Um but they won, so they'll have another cup appearance. So at least maybe he'll get some some cup love. Yeah. I'm still I'm still hoping the loan the loan gets recalled he gets recalled from not and ends up on loan somewhere else. How about FC Nordschland in Denmark?
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean he wasn't playing in cup matches through the fall, so that that is progress. But you're right, it's not it's not maybe the you know bold headline news that I would no like i'm not to be. i'm
1: not I'm not popping the champagne bottles for the for the cup match appearance
0: moving down the list, Dwayne Holmes, a guy who we have not talked about on this podcast very much. Uh I got to see him in his performance for Derby County in their FA Cup match with Southampton. Southampton's a Premier League side. Not a very good one, but still in the Premier League. And man, he looked good to me. I, I put a little video together. I don't know if you saw it, but um he's he plays wing. He plays right he played right wing in that game. He's twenty-four years old, so he's not a spring chicken, but he, he played right wing. He was easily the best player on the field. For the 87 minutes that he played, um, he totally abused uh, Matt Target, the unfortunately named left back for Southampton, <laughs> and and then he drifted inside and he created both goal scoring chances that resulted in goals for Derby County in a draw, a two two draw, and he cr- he created everything, everything that was anything for Derby County was came from the feet of Dwayne Holmes. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of thinking, hey, call him up. Call him up in March. We don't have a lot of wingers. He he's not playing. He's not playing a ton for Derby County, but Derby County is pushing for promotion in um, in the championship.
1: We don't that's, have. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to So we got three months until March. Um, if he doesn't start actually featuring regularly for the for the team uh, in the league, uh, then I'll. I'd probably just sort of chalk it up to fa cup nonsense i mean fa cup is uh i know southampton's a, a Premier league team um but the fa cup is not always teams aren't always putting their best out there because even it used to be just the top teams would sort of throw out whoever because they need to keep players fresh and they had a big enough squad to do it uh but now even the bottom teams especially on the holidays with so many games and they're being such a huge uh pressure to not get relegated uh I don't I guess I don't know for sure if if Mr. Target is the regular left back at Southampton. Um but he's been the regular left back for the past um I don't know 9 or 10 matches
0: uh a stretch of games in which Southampton has not performed well. So. All right.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm a little more uh it's not like I'd object to a Dwayne Holmes call up. I just think that if he if he really were, you know, uh, I think Frank Lampard had a bunch of good things to say about him after the game. Uh if I think we'll see more in Lampard's decisions than we'll, we'll get from from just his post game comments.
0: Yeah, I totally uh, agree. If,
1: if Holmes is is really uh, busting through, then then it should show up in his in his league minutes. Otherwise, I feel like we're in kind of a Lynn and gooch situation where uh, level of competition is kind of gonna be more of be more of the story than actually Dwayne Holmes's ability to compete at a high level. Yeah, maybe. I mean,
0: but the trend is good. The trend is good with Holmes. Like he didn't, he didn't play for the first month and a half or so of the season, or barely played, and he's been appearing in almost all their matches since. I don't know. I'm I'm just throwing this out there. Late October, something. Okay. Coming in off the bench, generally, and and he's gotten four starts, I think, in all comps, including this this game. So it's not like he's been completely not playing
1: it sure. will it, so we'll, the,
0: the next three months will be telling though i agree with that
1: okay so we'll put them in like the the manual sabby tier of attacking players
0: that seems fair although you know derby is derby is right now if the season ended right now they'd be in the promotion playoff they're sixth in the table i think so they're you know they're a few inches from being a
1: premier league side all right, so we've got a we've got a potential Premier League attacker in our midst.
0: Yeah, and I can't emphasize enough he was he was dominant in that game. He was very very good. But anyway, I I, I think we agree on this. Sebastian Soto, uh, regular topic on this podcast, got onto the pitch for Hanover in a winter friendly on Sunday. Played the last twenty minutes against a second division Dutch side. So this was his first time. Playing any sort of minutes with the first team at Hanover, looked fine. Keep an eye on that situation. After Tyler Adams, you gotta imagine Soto is the next American in line for a Bundesliga debut, unless unless Taitague hits that uh, really fast conveyor belt at Schalke. That Haji <laughs> Wright just wrote.
1: <laughs> yeah, if when Haji Wright took us by surprise like that, it, it really sort of opened up possibilities in our minds for all these other guys. Uh, good for Soto. I know you you reposted a picture, I think, from his uh, Instagram feed with uh, him hanging out with the other young phenom on Hanover's books, which is – is he a 19-year-old playing for the U23s?
0: Yeah, Hadzik or something like that. Yeah, just a little bit older than Soto, but I think a little higher in the pecking order too.
1: So really what we take from that is – Hanover searching for a Bobby Wood replacement. Maybe, maybe. I
0: mean, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? I'm I'm not gonna stress out about Bobby Wood. I think he he knows how to handle himself. But it's encouraging that Soto got. He's at this winter training. I think there are only th- three other U uh, nineteen or U twenty three players there. And I thought he looked totally like he belonged in his twenty minutes. Didn't get too involved. Helped helped keep a chance alive. Moved well off the ball, he's he's his movement off the ball is always intelligent and proactive. Um, Yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens in the next friendly if
1: he gets a few more minutes. All right, so so Soto watch begins. Uh, Did Hajic play? Do you know if Hodgick played in that in that friendly? That I don't know. I don't. I should know that, but I don't. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out and see if he see if. Soto's playing ahead of him or if they're both getting looks or what's going on there. Right. Yeah, it's a good question.
0: And finally, after Soto, the next in line for a Bundesliga debut would have to be Alex Mendes, I'd think. Uh, no word on his whereabouts at the moment, but he's probably headed back to Germany soon to, uh, to train with the Freiburg U19s. His US U20 teammate Richie Ledesma is traveling to the Netherlands this week and hopefully we won't have to wait too long to see him on the pitch two players but on- we don't think
1: we don't think Ledesma is going to be jumping in like immediately right uh, for injury purposes is that right
0: yeah i think he has a little time to work work back to fitness
1: it's
0: sort of circling uh, early february as maybe his his debut for young
1: psv okay so mendez mendez is sort of available be jumping in with the u19s ledesma we might wait a little bit longer on
0: yeah, the U19 Bundesliga starts back up on February third, so that that sort of back to Richards raises a question: like, why is he back so early? Are they uh, are they the U19s starting training camp right now at Bayern? I don't know. So much to speculate about, so much act, so little actual information. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a quick note on Mendes and Ledesma: I have reason to worry that they're not being contacted by the Burhalters and Stuarts of the world. And I just got to say, that is not good enough, guys. We, got to, we have to do better. Mendez and Ledesma are both dual nationals. They are legit high-level prospects with potential to be high-impact players for whatever national team they play for. Dest is a dual national, too. And I I worry that they're not getting any sort of communication from from Berhalter or Stewart. It doesn't have to be complicated, right? I mean, it it just has to be, yo, we're we're watching you. Good work. Like congratulations on signing with PSV. Congratulations on winning Golden Ball at the U twenty Concacaf Championship. Congratulations on being the best right back prospect in the history of American soccer. <laughs> We're we're tracking you. Keep grinding. Uh, much love, Greg. You know.
1: And well, no, yeah, that, that's exactly what I've, I've been sending to him. <laughs> so, so, Greg with two so, Gs. So, you are are you saying that these guys we should be Burhalter, Stewart, at all should be uh, doing a little bit extra? Because I'm I'm kind of almost thinking, why aren't we doing that for everyone sort of in the U20 pool? Like, why isn't Chris Durkin getting a message from? Uh, Sort of I mean, is that is that so ridiculous? Are we are we pandering too much to kids or is it like I
0: just, don't care just... about pandering, man. Pander away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still pissed off about losing Jonathan Gonzalez because Bruce Arena didn't know anything about what was going on in Liga Amekis that year and uh and neither did Dave Sarakin. Like I still think if we had called up Jonathan Gonzalez for that Portugal friendly been public about it, told him we wanted to call we're calling you up, we there's a very good chance he would be playing for the US
1: today. He'd be part of this youth revolution that we've got going on.
0: Yeah, we'd have a we'd have a Gonzalez McKenny Adams midfield and it'd be it'd be done. It'd be settled. Um so I I just feel like I'm in I'm in deja vu. It's just the same sort of feelings, the same sort of worries and Ledesma and Mendez are both Mexican American. They, I'm sure, their parents identify to a large degree with their home country, and they're getting a lot of love from fans of El Tree. I mean, Ledesma, Ledesma signed with the same club that Lozano plays for, and Lozano's probably—wouldn't you say he's probably the most popular Mexican player right now?
1: Uh, he. I'm sure uh I mean for me it's going to be Carlos Vela and Chicharito until until the day that I pass. But yeah. yes, uh he's definitely he's definitely up with uh probably the highest profile attacker in playing for Mexico right now.
0: I mean, Lozano's the one who brought down Germany with his goal, with his strike and uh you know, he's just like running up the score on Air Divisie sides. <laughs> anyway, I I just think we gotta we gotta be serious and proactive about courting these guys. I I I'm not opposed to I'm not opposed to contacting everybody on the U20 side who has any sort of promise. I think I don't I don't see what what harm that would do. But in particular, the contested dual nationals and these guys are gonna be contested if they're good, if they turn out to be good. Right. Yeah. You know,
1: we, yeah gotta, we gotta we gotta
0: take care of business here.
1: And and again, it's such a it's such a zero cost thing. I know you were, you were talking about is, is it more important actually to like get these guys uh, under our umbrella than should we be more worried about these guys and we should be even about like the the entire January camp. Uh, (laughs) It's one of those where we don't even have, we don't have to make those decisions because we can very easily do both of those things. Uh, I don't know. I feel like we need like a college football coach on our staff. Whose only job is to be like, how do you recruit people or how do you, you know, how do you keep lines open with prospects? Because it is it's a normal thing. Kids, 16, 17, 18 year old kids respond really well to that kind of thing. So just give them a little bit of love. Uh, it, I, I don't I don't I think there will be a gener, generational divide of like, oh, you're spoiling them or you're pandering, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's just like, well, let's let's figure out what what players respond to and then let's not be idiots about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I communicate with these kids a lot and not all of them, but I communicate with some of them and it, it, you do have to think carefully about what you say so that you're not like just blowing hot air at them, but also, you know, giving a, giving it like a clear sense of like, I'm in, I'm encouraged as a fan. I'm encouraged by your performance. I mean, there's a, there's a balance to be struck there that anybody who with a brain can try to figure out.
1: Yeah, we don't they, have to. We don't have to guarantee them a, a spot for life on the U.S. national right. team. You don't have to we call can, someone to say we're tracking you. Hey, we see what you're doing. Right. You just have to
0: say like, hey, that's really cool that you signed with the second biggest club in Holland, and they're gonna make a pro out of you. Keep grinding. I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated. <sighs> Anyway, all right, it, all there's right. a lot to that's, be. That's
1: the rundown of all the movement. All right. Yeah,
0: that's a little bit of a dark way to end it, but there is a lot. There's a lot to be excited about. Um, let's come back in a minute and talk about all the various January camps. January camp kicked off Sunday in Chula Vista, California, and a collection of domestic players will prepare for a pair of friendlies in three weeks against Panama and Costa Rica. It's a momentous occasion in that it's the first national team camp under manager Greg Berhalter. The camp, however, is missing, by my estimation, at least 10 of the top 15 American players at the moment. So that being said, what can Berhalter accomplish here?
1: Greg? I think I think there's some stuff he can accomplish. Uh, my first reaction when I saw the roster was actually a, a, a giant sigh of relief uh, because in his very first camp, uh, Burhalter Ber- trended young, uh, and I think that's a good sign. I think it, it shows that he is a guy with a plan. Um, I think I've been banging on about this since last January, probably in our very first uh, podcast. Uh, I think I probably was befuddled by some of the January camp call-ups in 2018 Um, because again just we for the last eight nine years we've been operating in these vacuums in these camps Um, but this year seems different there's no Iko Paras there's no Justin Moros those 29 to 30 year old guys who who just clearly aren't going to be real players uh, for the national team it's not that they're bad they're not bad players they're just completely wasted call-ups and that's not – again, that's not me being harsh on those guys. We know they're wasted call-ups uh, because Aiko Parra was probably the best player in the January 2018 game uh, against Bosnia. For me, he was he was clearly the best player. He cleaned up a lot of messes in a sloppy game. Uh, it was and a a classic. Para, that game was a classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Aiko Parra was like the, the lone person who looked like he knew what he was doing. Uh, he hasn't yeah. been called up since. So if there's a guy – if a guy can play a fantastic game, be the best player – and still not get a call up for anything else, uh, then there was never a reason that he should have been there in the first place. Like what was the point? If you can look at him in, on the list of players and say, all right, no matter what this guy does, he has no place in our team going forward. <laughs> then what then what are we doing calling him up? It's almost like a dick move to Iko Para. Yeah, hey, great job, buddy. Uh that'll be all. So um Go get your co- you know, coaching license. Yeah. Yeah. So now imagine imagine if Mark Mackenzie has uh the best game out of anybody in in january against say costa rica like that that's that's meaningful suddenly that's a meaningful uh situation that we can build off of so just that just that sort of decision by Burhalter Ber- already i think is a good step forward
0: yeah there's really nobody over what like 26 on this roster Might or if be. there
1: is it's Besides a dude Bradley. who's yeah, it's Michael Bradley who is very much in contention for, in my mind, uh, a starting spot, and we'll kind of get to that later. Let's let's
0: keep going. You keep going. You got you got some momentum here.
1: All right. So the the things that I'm actually looking for in this game, probably there's there's sort of two. The one of the big ones is Berhalter's tactics, because one of the uh, concerns people have really had about Greg Berhalter at the international level is he's never going to have enough time with the pool to get his system right. Um, well, this is January. He's got two full weeks with the group. That's a long-ass time for an international coach to get with his team. It's a, probably about as much time as he'll get with the players from, like, August to December, if you, if you total it up. So yeah. uh, this is a lot of time. If, if he if he can't get the tactics right after two weeks, then, then I think it's a legitimate concern that he won't be able to get them right after you know, four at, days in March, yeah, yeah. So, so I think we're going to get a real good look at whether he can whether he can pull it off or not. So, so I guess that's kind of the main thing I'm going to be watching for in these games is Burhalter's tactics. For me, it's going to be a lot less, for the most part, about individual performances and more about what his tactics make some of these individuals look like. Does that make sense?
0: It does. I mean, it means we're going to be. It means you're just going to have to talk for an hour straight in our first. Uh, <laughs> in our review of the Panama-friendly.
1: Well, so, well, think about guys like think about guys like Christian Roldan. These MLS players who are – I mean, I don't think anyone thinks that Christian Roldan is actually like a Weston McKenney level player who just hasn't had his chance yet. I mean, do you think outside of Seattle people are thinking that?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, definitely some people in Seattle think that way, but uh, yeah, probably not. Probably not most Or people.
1: Or even like your guy, like Marky Delgado. I don't think you think Marky Delgado is – actually a McKinney level player you think he's he, so no if if Greg Burhalter can make Christian Roldan and Marky Delgado and uh, wh- whoever else sort of we're, we're talking about here for these January uh, fringe players if he can make them look really good and really comfortable um, that's not going to for me that's not going to be like oh Christian Roldan really really might have it after all it's going to be like oh man imagine what Berhalter is going to be able to do when he gets those top tier players uh in March. That's right. that's what I'm gonna be taking from it. Right. Yeah, it
0: will be exciting. I mean, just you'd just be looking for some fluidity and some solidity against Panama.
1: Yeah, it's it's essentially like if he can do for Roldan and Ariola and other guys what he does what he's sort of done for Zardes and Trap and Columbus. Uh Then, then, yeah, then I'm just like, oh, Tyler Adams is going to be unstoppable. You know, like Christian Pulisic is going to uh, never be crying in the shower again. Like we're going to have – like these guys are going to be put in positions to succeed. Right.
0: Okay. Well, there is one battle for a starting spot that you think is, is happening right now as we speak in Chula Vista. Why don't you talk about that?
1: Yeah, this is this is sort of a unique thing. It, it almost never happens in January camp, but we have like a fully contained competition for a position in January. Like this is this is so rare. I really like I want to enjoy it. And that's the the position the the battle for the number six spot. I think. Yeah. Every other player, I'd say every other player in camp is sort of competing against uh, against somebody in absentia. So, uh, Stefan's probably competing against like Guzan and Horvath for for the number one. Agreed. Either of those guys there. Uh, Cannon clearly is battling Jedlin, um, and then even for the backup, you're looking at Shaq Moore and dare I say, Serginio Dest. Uh, dare, but none of those guys dare none to say those, it. None of those guys are there. Aaron Long is up against. We think he might have a real shot at uh, uh, pipping Matt Miazga for the number two spot, given Miazga's situation. Uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers sort of in the mix for center back. None of those guys are there. You kind of get the idea here. Right, uh, but at the number six spot, it's Bradley and it's Trap and it's Canouse, and that's that's kind of it. Uh, one and only one of these guys is going to be in our best eleven come come June in the Gold Cup.
0: Yeah, I mean that assumes that Burhalter is is going to go with a four three three with two two eights in front of a a single pivot, which uh, sounds like maybe that is what he's going to do some smart yeah, that's some for, smart people for right
1: now yeah that's the, that's the assumption i'm operating under and and i don't think there's room for bradley to play as one of those eights i don't think a canals can play as one of those eights and i definitely don't think trap can be an eight so and the odds
0: on favorites to be those eights are McKenny and adams so it's so you're, you're thinking it's gonna be bradley Trapp or canals behind those two has like, to be
1: right like who else is even who else is even in the discussion Give me, give me one other name that you think could could do it.
0: Mm, no, there, it is. It would have to be one of those three if we're right, and burhalter is is going to set the team up that way. If it's a four, if he decides on a four two three one, or something like that, then it gets a, a lot more complicated. But we, we don't have to entertain that possibility. We can we can go with our gut.
1: Sure, and and I'll, even even if I do entertain the possibility for a second, bells. So let me just entertain. Uh, if he does do that, it'll be because he thinks Adams is doing better as a six. So even then, I think it's going to be Adams and then one of those three. I, I don't think there's any way that it's uh, Bradley and trapped behind Tyler Adams. And and I have Tyler Adams. It's like the other guy, Christian Pulisic, that must be on the soccer field for us. Right.
0: Now, if it's – well, I just said we weren't going to entertain the possibility, but <laughs> let's just go ahead and do it. If it were a four-two-three-one, and Adams was one of the two, does does that bode better for Bradley or Trap, who is sort of no, who are sort of known as distributors, ball circulators, and uh, and not as well for Canouse, who is you know more of a destroyer, not a not a bad passer of the ball, but not quite the distributor the other two are.
1: I uh, would say yes in that situation. Bradley and trap would definitely benefit because they are sort of those ball spraying players and Adams would make up for a lot of, at least in traps case, the weaknesses associated with him, which are, he can't cover a ton of ground quickly. And so he's, he's a sort of a liability uh, if he's left alone in protecting a back four. Um, But I don't, I don't know that uh, it would necessarily be worse off than having an expert destroyer like Knauss who can also pass and, uh, Tyler Adams mm-hmm. as a back, as a sort of a two man pivot. Okay. So it, it helps. It helps. It would help Trapp and Bradley. I don't know that it would help them enough that they, uh, they beat, they'd edge out a better overall player. If Canals proves to be better overall. Right.
0: Well, so let's go back to the four three, three. Who do you thinks who do you think is going to win
1: to be that, that lone six? Uh, I think Bradley does. I think I think Bradley will be the best out of those 3 in in January and potentially in June. I want I want it to be Canals because if if Burhalter starts Canals then that I think that tells us right there Canals is ahead of him, or like probably already. I don't think Burhalter calls all those guys in and then starts Canals sort of on spec where he's like all right I'm going to project Canals as being ahead of these guys in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in 2020. So if Canals beats them all out a for the very first game, I think that's a really good sign for Canals.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the things I was going to be watching for is like what what happens with Bradley. If he's there to to sort of provide as cliché as it sounds, I think there's probably some value to it to provide continuity and veteran presence and um you know all that all those sort of buzzwords. If he's there for that and doesn't play at all, then I th- I'm fine with that. And I think that's an interesting f- way to forecast the next three years, you know? Um, but if he, like you think wins the starting spot in January and then it's, there's, I think there's a very good chance he's going to be the starter in
1: June, just as you said. Well, what do you, what do you think out of those three? Who do you think gets the job for, who do you think wins that competition for Panama and Costa Rica? And I know there's, there's likely to probably be some switching between games for uh, conserving people's uh, fitness levels.
0: I'm just thinking out loud, but I'm probably not betting against Bradley on this. I hope it's not trap. I guess, <laughs> I guess I'll say that. I, I'd like to see what Canals can do, but I, I think if Bradley goes in there with his mindset on I'm going to win this job, it's hard to see him losing. Um, even at his old age of 30
1: or 31. Yeah. And I, I won't hate it. Like uh, I'll assume that if Bradley wins the job, it just means that he is, he's still, he's still better. Uh, and he he very well could be. So uh, fingers crossed that Knaus basically what I'm hoping is Canouse proves that he's better. That I, would I, don't be want, awesome. I don't want, I don't uh, want Burhalter to just give the job to Canouse and be like, ah, oh, we're done with Bradley and, and so we're going to go with this next guy. Like I, I kind of want the best guy to get it. And I want that guy to be Canouse. is how I'll put it.
0: Agree to agree on that. Yeah. I'd like to see it be Knauss too. And uh, you know, I'm excited about the future when Chris Durkin makes a, you know, makes some kind of impact on this discussion. He's not there yet, but
1: um, yeah. All right. Well, if, if, those three are sort of fighting for an actual starting spot in March and then presumably in June. Uh, Who else in this camp? And and we're going to assume if you're listening to this, you already know who's in the camp. Uh, Who else in the camp is going to be in the picture in March and then potentially June?
0: I think the, the names that are definitely going to be in the picture in March for me are Steph outside of the, those sixes would be Stefan. Of course, hopefully he starts both games. I don't, I don't rate the other keepers in this camp. And I think Stefan needs the caps to get his UK work permit this summer when he makes the big move to Man City. So Stefan for sure. Reggie Cannon is – I would like to see him really shine in this camp and in these friendlies. He's. I think he's a clear number two uh,
1: right back right now. And I'd like to see him build on that. Even after sort of uh, he got – he had some Robinson-esque stumbles against England? Yes, I do think. Was it, were his it stumbles against England or were they against Italy?
0: Remind uh, me. I think it was against Italy. I don't think he pl- – did he play against England? I can't remember.
1: He, he no, definitely stumbled,
0: right. stumbled against Italy for sure.
1: Where where he, he would have been sent off in any, in any real competition? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that doesn't, that doesn't drop him in your estimation as far – or does that just sort of make him wobble a little bit but he's still – still your backup and you're you're assuming he'll get things set right. Yeah, he wobbles a little bit
0: for sure, but uh there's what are the other options? Shaq Moore, like you said, and and then uh a beautiful future in which Serginio Dest surpasses them all. <laughs> but but or in a in a Holland shirt. All right. So. Yeah, hopefully not. Uh Cannon, I so I just like to see Cannon get more comfortable. Uh, be smarter, uh, be cleaner on the ball, and and just establish himself. I think that would be great for the
1: for the side. Sure, and, sure, and 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 just we're not going to get into any like real previews here, but I'm expecting the guys to look comfortable because Panama and Costa Rica, respectfully, are not England and Italy. So, um, yeah, good point. canon canon Stefan, uh, all these guys that you're going to be talking about is is uh, March potential guys like they need to look pretty good against Panama and Costa Rica. Do they need to look like they're playing a video game? The whole video game theorem? I would like that. But at this point, no, that's a, that's a youth slash like a gold cup minnows theorem. Okay. And Panama and Costa Rica aren't world superpowers, but they're also not, uh, they're not complete pushovers. They advanced to the world cup and we did not. Yeah. I'm, I'm imagining the Panamanian equivalent of our podcast going on in Panama, where they're going, "Look, the U.S. They're not a world power, but they're not a complete player. <laughs>
0: right. The third player, the third player I'm interested in, and then it gets a lot less interesting for me. But the one, the third one is Aaron Long, uh, and, and he's the one I'm probably the most interested in because I do think he could he could perhaps challenge Matt Miazga for that second center back spot has a speed, the intelligence, and and just the general calm to be dominant in MLS. So let's give him two games to lock down a roster spot heading into the
1: Gold Cup, heading into March, and then the Gold Cup. Yeah, I'll take that. All the other center backs are, are much more speculative for me, so I would take a, a long uh, double start. That said, I'm glad
0: to see – I'm really glad to see Matt uh, Mark McKenzie there and – and Austin trustee and Justin glad. And if one of those, if one of those guys sort of races to the top of the heap, more power to him, And uh, I'll be glad to see it. You know, things can change,
1: but, oh, but based on what we've got right now, you're not really expecting McKenzie or Justin or glad, uh, without a, a real breakout performance. You're not really expecting them to contend in, in March. Mm, I mean, the
0: center back depth chart is Brooks, Miazga, and then long right now. Right. And then CCV, maybe Tim Parker's somewhere in the conversation. Eric Palmer. Uh, yeah. Eric Palmer Brown's kind of out of the picture for the moment.
1: What you that's that's kind of what I'd go with. Yeah. Is that it's Brooks Miazga and then, and then it starts to really get blurry with CCV and long. Uh, Cause there's no, right now I don't think there's any good way to order them, especially with a new manager, with new player profiles for each position.
0: Yeah. Well, so maybe it, maybe it's, maybe there's more chance for those three young guys than than i'm giving credit for i'd just like to see some clarity and i do think aaron long is probably the one most likely to 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 be that that third potentially even the second center back uh, as for the rest of the roster i think delgado and acosta are kind of you know they're they're going to be depth potentially in march it would be nice to see a winger have a good performance in this in this camp, because we don't, I and mean, we talked about that earlier with Dwayne Holmes. We got we got Pulisic and Timmy Wea. and then after that, it's it's kind of wide open. Uh, Paul Ariola is in this camp, so is Corey Baird. I'm very open to one of them emerging as a as a legit national team option. Uh, Ariola already is that he's he's just not a he's just not a flashy player.
1: Right, so Ariel's one who I'm really hoping uh, sort of benefits from the system, from a from a coherent system, to see if we can get more out of him, out of sort of you know, despite the limitations, he's never going to be like a Christian Pulisic dynamic player, but maybe mm-hmm. maybe Berhalter can put him in some situations where he is able to be a little bit more dangerous. I mean, I think DCU DC United's kind of found a way to make him a little more dangerous. Yeah, that's true. He's he scored
0: some goals, got some assists down that very exciting stretch for DC.
1: Yeah. I think that the key is to put him next to Wayne Rooney and, uh, Luciano Costa. It's going to be hard, right? It's going to be hard to,
0: um, to preview this game against Panama because we're not going to have any more information than we have now on any of these players, unless one of us flies out to San Diego
1: this week, which we're not going to do. Watching some training. Uh, no, I, I, w- I'm excited about a couple of the wild cards. I know you already talked about, like, the McKenzie. I I might put McKenzie in that category where uh, we don't know that they – we don't know enough about him to say there's no way they'll break out. Like, I, I think we know enough about, um, like, uh, a has to say he's not going to break out. Uh, but we don't know about, like, a Mihailovic or a Baird. Uh, like, McKenzie could look like a complete rock uh, at center back. So – if one of those guys really like, if Mihalovich gets a shot at the ten, and just looks otherworldly, just looks in complete control of himself in the game, uh, that could shake things up a little bit for for our like uh, our options going forward and how in our system and how we play and our formation and and you know I don't know if you'd immediately jump over a Tyler Adams West McKinney double eight system, but uh, it'd be an interesting experiment for March
0: yeah I'm not putting too much hope in mihalovich. I know you're not saying that either you're you're just saying he's he's a wild card
1: yeah those are the I, wild cards.
0: i um i'm I'm more excited about the future number tens the ones that right. uh u s soccer is not doing a very good job of courting right now <laughs> anything else anything else on this roster
1: no that's those are my January thoughts, okay. Well, very quickly before
0: we move on to our interview here, the senior national team camp in Chula Vista is not the only January camp happening right now. The U-20s, U-19s, and U-17s are in Florida for a camp too. It's a big year for the youth national teams. Uh, U-17 World Cup qualifying coming up soon. We still don't know when, but soon-ish. And the U-20 World Cup is in May. That is, you know, that's like the thing I'm most looking forward to this year, to be honest. (laughs) <laughs> most of the top talent on the U-20 side is not in the camp. You know, Mendez is going back to Freiburg. Desmond's is going to Eindhoven, but there are three uh, new interesting names on the, on the U-20 roster that I want to mention. One is Chris Durkin, the, uh, the DC United holding midfielder. He wasn't at the CONCACAF championships. We don't know why, but he's here now. And he's, he's basically fighting for a spot on this roster. I think, Heading into the World Cup, I think
1: he has a well, good. Sh- Go ahead. You're say, you're saying he's fighting for a spot on the roster? Would you say? Would you say he? I mean, would you have him in line for a starting spot in the U20 World Cup? I would. I think
0: the I think Brandon Servania played really well in the concaf Championships at that position, and Servania's got a little more range, which maybe is going to be necessary if you have a Ledesma Mendez attacking midfield. You're going to need somebody to cover a lot of ground. So, so that's the only argument I would see against it. But outside of that, Durkin is is you know Durkin's a, a pro with a dozen starts to his name in MLS. He's clearly playing at a higher level than Cervania, uh, who was playing in in USL last year. So, I think Durkin. I think probably the first choice midfield is Durkin at the six, and then Ledesma and Mendez in front of him. And that's yeah, that's all that's three players who love playing with the ball, and I could imagine us really seizing control of some games, being able to possess and and pass into the attack. So that's that's one name from the U-20 roster. Second is Nick Taitagwe, Schalke U-23. Long been a highly rated U.S. Prospect, prospect, but he's been injured and he's lost some chances, uh, I think, in his career already. So it's going to be great to see him get a chance with the U-20s. I think his, I think Durkin if he's released, is a lock for the World Cup roster, whether he starts or not. Taitagwe is going to be in a battle with a lot of other winger options for a spot. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. And then the third name I want to mention is Christian Kappas, who is a midfielder playing at Hobro. He is was a former teammate of Chris Richards at Texans SC in Houston. And I don't know much about him, but a lot of people I know rate him pretty highly. And, you know, he's a, he's another guy in the mix in that midfield. We won't go into the full U17, U19, and U20 rosters, but those are just three three names that I'm
1: particularly interested in. Uh, are they going to play any, any, any matches uh, to sort of cap off the camps?
0: They are. I have reached out to U.S. Soccer to see if those are going to be streamed, and I have – let me double-check – I have
1: not heard back. Okay. Do you know who they're playing against or anything? Is it like just some local college or USL teams or what's their story? It's – they're going to play – the
0: U-19s are going to play the U-20s tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central Time. And then on Sunday, the U-20s play a to-be-determined opponent. And also on Sunday, the U-17s and the U-19s play each other. So – Those games, those games are open to the public. If anybody's in uh, Lakewood Ranch, Florida, this week.
1: Uh, One other quick note: the the women have a couple games coming up. The U.S. Women's Team, senior team, uh, in Europe, um, and their rosters out for it. And there's some sort of good news on that front in that uh, McCall Zerboni, uh, Tierra Davidson, and uh, Kelly O'Hara are all back from injury. O'Hara had a surgery that was. I think less, that was sort of, I guess, as surgeries can be a bit more routine. Uh, But Davidson's back from like her horrendous broken leg uh, and Zerboni's back from her horrendous broken elbow. Um, So that's good news that they're considered fit enough to be in this camp Uh, in January. I think that should give them time to at least have the chance to fight for World Cup roster spots come June. They've got uh,
0: France, France on January 19th, right? In Spain, yeah, and then Spain a
1: few days later. Yeah, real quick turnaround. So if you're on the roster, you're probably playing quite a few minutes. Uh, I'd expect some, uh, a lot of rotation between those two games.
0: I see uh, an email just came into my inbox that Andy Sullivan has been added to the roster. Is that all right? Uh, is that interesting? I,
1: uh, well, kind of yeah. She's she's had been hurt for a long time, but then made it back in for the CONCACAF qualifiers for World Cup. So. Um. yeah that, I mean that's that's something because Allie Long would have been available so there are a couple of players that Sullivan seems to be ahead of uh, a couple of veterans Sullivan's a younger kid okay 11 caps looks like
0: all right I think we're good here anything else all right
1: no we'll we'll see everyone back in a, in a little bit in a week or so
0: uh, don't go away we'll be back with an interview with Martin Vasquez the RSL Academy director Our guest today is Martín Vázquez, the Academy Director at Real Salt Lake. As a player, he made more than 100 appearances for Atlas in Liga MX. He played for both the Mexican and U.S. national teams. He was an assistant to Jürgen Klinsmann at Bayern Munich and for the U.S. men's national team, and he was head coach at Chivas USA for a year. Since 2011, Vasquez has been shaping one of the top talent centers in the U.S. RSL punches way above its weight. The small market MLS franchise put four players on the 2017 U-20 World Cup roster. Three more RSL products are in the mix for the 2019 U-20 World Cup. Martin, honored to have you on the podcast. Happy New Year. How are you?
2: Happy New Year to you too, Adam. And, you know, thanks for the invitation. You know, glad, uh, you know, we can share a a little bit of RSL Academy with you and, you know, with our guests and, you know, looking forward to it. Great. So let's
0: start with your job responsibilities. What do you do day to day as the director of the RSL Academy?
2: Together with my staff, um, you know, we design, uh, we structure, we organize our training sessions. At times uh, I run a session, at times, um, you know, uh, my coaches run the sessions and I'm, you know, uh, running around, uh, bouncing around, overseeing you know, the sessions. And if I have to make corrections, uh, you know, I make corrections. And then after uh, our training sessions, we, you know, we go back in the office and we talk about, you know, the session and, and you know, we take start uh, taking responsibilities of uh, doing that administrative stuff in the office. And that's basically, you know, uh, a full day. Uh, most of the times we do Uh, A session in the morning and a session in the afternoon. So after the session in the morning, you know, we start preparing the session in the afternoon, or we already have prepared the session in the afternoon. If we uh, sometimes we plan the week, sometimes we plan the day, sometimes we plan the month, uh, the month depending on where we are uh, in the season, Adam. So that's practically, you know, my responsibility or my day-to-day responsibility with the academy a lot of actual coaching and planning
0: coaching sounds like
2: yes you know and that's my passion you know that's uh what i enjoy uh that's what i think i can make a difference or or help you know i like to be on the field i i have uh, an enormous passion you know to coach the game to train uh to develop you know our, our academy players and you know that's usually where we spend most of the time or where we want to spend most of the time on the field uh you know doing what we what we enjoy doing
0: are you actually on the bench for the u seventeen and u nineteen matches or are you you know up in the up in the press box or whatever
2: you know i'm I'm on the bench for both games mm-hmm. um i'm uh, uh, coaching uh, my uh, assistant coaches or by coaches are coaching. Um, the one thing that we did when I took over uh, RSL Academy, uh, this was back in in Arizona. And I came in, you know, when I got the job. Uh, at that time, I had two co- uh, three coaches, my goalkeeper coach and, and two coaches. One of the coaches that I have, you know, the most uh, respect for for, his, for him, for his knowledge, for, you know, his experience as a player, as a coach. Uh, you know, Freddie Juarez, we, mm-hmm. or I, you know, decided that um, I wanted to coach and, and train uh, the 18s and the 16s or the 19s and the 17s. Uh, and we didn't have a head coach for the 19s. We didn't have a head coach for the 17s. The reason we uh, did this is so we preach the same thing, so we make the same corrections, so we uh, uh, develop the same style of play. You know, at times I did sessions with, uh, with the 17s, at times I do sessions with the 19s. The other coaches do the same thing, so uh, it has uh, worked for us. You know, we don't have a, a specific head coach for uh, either of the groups. I see. Uh, yeah. Yes, at times, um, you know, or since uh, I took over, um, I I can tell you that for sure. I'm the first voice for the 19s, but with the 17s, you know, uh, you know, we do it together, and we do together also the 19s, um, you know. But that's one thing that has worked for us, uh, where um, the coaches that we have in the program, you know, we all our coaches and we coach uh, the 19th, we coach the 17th at times. They're the first boys at times. I'm the first boys Mm -hmm. and you know, the the players uh, understand, have a good understanding of our terminology of coaching, our methodology of teaching. And that has worked for us. uh, You know, uh, I hope I don't made it too, made it too confusing. No, I think I get it. it. It's
0: like, it's all unified. It's, it's a unified uh, system. Pretty much. Yeah.
2: You know, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. You know, I put, I I guess I used too much. Uh, I I elaborated too much, but at the end of the day, (laughs) you know, we are all coaches and we, you know, preach the same thing. We're unifying. Yes. So, so
0: let's go back to when you took the job. Um, I think it was 2011, right? And did you help start the residency in, in Casa Grande? Or did you come in just after it had started?
2: You know what? I, I came in a year after it started. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I, I cannot take credit for that. I think, uh, you know, um, uh, Freddie Juarez, uh, you know, uh, was there from the beginning. Uh, you know, Mike Munoz. Um, and, you know, these are the guys that, that uh, uh um you know, came in and started a program uh, with support from, you know, from uh, um, uh, Grande Sports and with support from Real Salt Lake. So they're the ones that started the program, and I came in just one year after that. What appealed to you about that job? You, you had
0: a. L- l- let me add a little to that question. I mean, you have you have quite a resume. I mean, there you could, you could be, uh, you know, you could be a MLS coach maybe or s- something else. Um,
2: but you wanted to take on an academy. Why? You know, after, after I, I was with Chivas USA and, and you know, we parted ways, um, I had some calls. I got some calls to do this, to do that. Uh, I had some good friends from Chicago, you know, Chicago Magic at that time uh that called me and they said hey you know we have this academy we want you to see what we have what our plans are you know i was open to 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 that you know i went to chicago you know with an open mind i i started uh coaching youth they had um they have a big club there you know but they wanted me to get involved with the the academy the ua teams the U. You know uh, uh, the U16s, and you know they had all the age groups. But uh, to start, they wanted me to get involved with with uh, uh, the 18s and the 16s. And you know, I wanted, like I told you, my passion is to be on the field and to coach and to train. You know, and 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 to be hands on. Um, I was, I had an open mind, and and I went. You know, and I I did it for uh, three and a half months, four months and I enjoyed it, and when I was there, you know, the people at Casa Grande, Mr. Ron Burks, um, you know, called me and we started talking about, you know, he mentioned, I want you to come, I want to meet you, I we have this academy, we have this place, the uh, uh, Grande Sports, we have these uh, beautiful facilities, um, you know, this is what we want to do going forward. Uh, you know, very passionate man, he had a plan, uh, he had this You know uh, i have heard but i had not been there so when i went i sat down i i came in i i did a couple of training sessions i remember and i was fascinated i was sold you know with the facilities uh with the the players with the team with the coaches with everything around it you know uh, this is a a, a place uh, in the middle of the desert Mm -hmm. Uh, that has eight beautiful soccer fields, a golf course, uh, in the middle of nowhere, and you know um, the plans were uh, to put a charter school in 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 there, you know, so the the boys can can go to school there, can live there, and can train there, and play games there. And it, it was like a dream job, you know, if you uh, enjoy coaching, if you enjoy uh, developing players. I mean, that was uh, um, the place uh, to be. So that's what sold me. You know, I took the job, and this is uh, my eighth year, and I haven't looked back at them. I mean, this is, you know, I, like you said, I had a chance to, you know, play uh, for two national teams. I had a uh, a chance to um, coach at the highest level, you know, uh, in Europe uh, with the federation, with US Soccer. And, you know, I have been uh, motivated, I have been uh, uh, enjoying it, uh, I'm fully committed, and I I am very, you know, uh, uh, thankful, you know, for this uh, great opportunity that I got at that time and, you know, that RSL uh, has supported, you know, this, um, you know, this vision and this um, uh, work that we've been doing with uh, our uh, academy players.
0: Yeah, and as a U.S. soccer fan, I'm grateful to you for the work that you've been doing. So thank you. Um, do you do you guys still scout Arizona the way you used to? Now that the academy
2: has moved to uh, the Salt Lake City area, well, we have we still have a huge, huge, um, you know, presence in Arizona, and and we have to, you know, that's uh, our territory. You know, as you know, um, uh, all the MLS uh, teams have a a territory to develop players from, and from there, you know, that's uh, the talent you you can uh, um, identify and select, well, you know, they become your homegrown players. And, you know, we we had at that time when the academy was there, uh, a huge presence, and now we continue with the presence because, uh, you know, we have a partnership with, you know, Sereno, this uh, successful uh, big club that has been, in uh, Phoenix area for many years now, uh, it's uh, a part, we have a partnership with them, and and Mike Krause, one of our best uh, coaches uh, that we've had over the years uh, at the academy, uh, he's the uh, technical director, he's the uh, director there, and and he's doing you know an amazing job. Uh, so yes, we we are uh, uh, still uh, finding very good talent and, and identifying it and selecting them. Uh, you know to continue to be part of our of our academy. I love Utah. You know Utah is a beautiful place. It's a, yes. a very small state for, you know, the soccer. Uh, I think it's growing. Uh, I think the support and the vision of uh, the MLS to give uh, Utah. You know they were very supportive to give Utah. You know these two states to be able to develop homegrown players. Uh, I think it was it's been huge it's been massive you know otherwise uh, we wouldn't be able to compete against you know the fc Dallas the galaxies the new york because of their pool the talent they have uh, i think uh, uh, arizona is uh, uh, has been and is going to continue to be you know uh, a place for us to uh, find players and and develop them
0: okay will you also um, are pulling players from other places, California, and you know I'm I'm a I'm a native of Iowa, so I was kind of intrigued when I saw that you guys signed a player from uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Keaton Woods, and I so I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about your scouting, the scouting you mm-hmm. do, and how you run into players. You
2: know, well, you know, uh, the scouting is uh, um, we're getting better at scouting. We have uh, someone in place. And with that someone in place, we brought in, you know, a very uh, successful uh, college coach, Jay Jason Mims, um, Jay Mims, um, that happens to be, you know, from from uh, from that area. Uh, you know, uh, he okay. was the head coach. Uh, you know, he was the coach at uh, University of Omaha in Nebraska, and you know, uh, scouting uh, Iowa you know, Utah, you know, New, uh, the the states around there, he was able, you know, uh, uh, he has come across uh, talents like, you know, Keaton Woods. And, you know, I, I think now, you know, with uh, him in place, you know, we want to continue, you know, uh, to do a better job of uh, finding, you know, those players in those remote places. I mean, you know, that you hear stories about, you know, the the Modric or the Messi's or, you know, just to name a few, you know, they have come out from this uh, remote places and, you know, their jewels, you know, they they uh, develop into some of the best players in the world. And, you know, we don't have, uh, we're far behind uh, in that, you know, uh, department of scouting with, you know, some of the best clubs in the world, you know, even here in the MLS, even in in Mexico, because uh, our scouting system, you know, it's minimum, uh, but we do have one in place. And, you know, with the facilities we have, with the residential program that we have, um, you know, uh, we have that uh, opportunity and we have to make this uh, more of this opportunity to be able to find players like Keith. And we also have you know, another kid with the 17s from that area. And, you know, hopefully in the future we can find, you know, uh, more players from that area as well. Okay.
0: Let's talk a little bit about some of the players that you've helped develop who are, you know, sort of famous now, at least famous in uh, youth national team circles, uh, thinking particularly of Richie Ledesma, because I think his story is kind of a new one in American soccer. He really came out of nowhere to become maybe the, maybe the top player in, in the U-20 age group for his cycle. How did he first come to your attention, and what did you see that you liked?
2: Um, you know, I, I, I have to give... You know, credit, I mean, I think, uh, um, yes, I'm the uh, the first voice. I'm the leader of RSL Academy uh, because I'm the director. Uh, but we have a good um, uh, staff of coaches, and some of these coaches have found, you know, somebody like Richie Ledesma, somebody like David Ochoa, somebody like Luis Arriaga, who are from this, uh, you know, remote places uh, uh, in California you know, or in, our, in Arizona, um, you know, uh, so, uh, uh, you know, the one of the coaches, we have this, we had this program, you know, we had this program when we were in Arizona of, um, you know, the academy and also the elite program. We call it the elite program and we use the elite program as a development program. Mm-hmm. You know, when we find Richie, he was a small player, uh, very talented, but, you know, uh, uh, young and and physically, you know, he needed uh, for us to uh, work with him and the soccer brain. You know, uh, he already, you know, he's he's one of those players that are born with that talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he needed to be uh, put in an environment of competition, an environment of you know him training every day, a rigorous uh, training environment, uh, and and put him in in the best competition you know, that we can put him. He wasn't ready for the academy yet because, you know, physically he lacked a few things. And, you know, we've had those uh, um, issues uh, in the past with other players. Uh, (laughs) You know, somebody saw his talent. We brought him in. He started in our elite program. And then, you know, he quickly, you know, quickly because he's a very smart player, you know, he was able uh, um, to compensate not being physically with his technical ability, with his creativity, with you know him being, having a good soccer brain, uh, he's got excellent feet, you know his technical ability is above you know uh, um, many. Um, <clears throat> so after putting him in that, in, those, in that competition, he quickly you know became an academy player. Now where he's at, uh, it's credit to him. it's a part of him working hard. And putting himself uh, in in those situations, in opportunities where he could be seen, where he could be get better, and he rose to that to that opportunity. He rose to that occasion. Um, You know, uh, he uh, the competition. uh, He made the best of it. He and then you know, little by little, uh, in a structured environment, in environment of competition, in environment where he was pushed. Uh, he just uh, became the player he is. We haven't seen the best of him. I think this kid is going to be special. Uh, but also, you know, one of, one of the things that, that uh, when players come in, you know, they mature, they grow, they, they, they have dreams, they pursue that, you know, they're hungry. You know, the DNA, it's, it's, uh, it's very important. You know, the one thing that they see also is when they come into our program you know, the staff, uh, we all care for them. We all, they see that we care for them. We see, they see that we wanna, we wanna make sure that we provide that support for them to, to achieve their goals, to achieve their dreams, and, and they respond, you know. So it's not, it hasn't just been Richie. Richie has been our latest talent, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, you go back to the first uh, homegrown players and the guys that are playing for the first team, the guys that are, are with Monarch, the guys that are coming. You know we have we have some special players right now in in, in the academy, and I think uh, they're going to follow the, the same you know footsteps. Uh, for all this to happen, Adam, I think the support from Mr. Hansen, the support from you know our upper manner upper management, uh, you know from uh, in the past from you know coaches like Jason Price. I mean, I go back to Jason Price, you know, to Garth Lagerway, to you know Jeff Casar. Uh, and you know now uh, the main you know the the head coach of the first team Mike Petke, I mean they you know this they uh, continue with that support and you know it's it's a club that we that um, you know we're not the, the, a Galaxy we're not a, a Seattle we're not a, a New York uh, you know Red Bulls mm-hmm. uh, we ca- we are in a in a smaller market but I think you know the support uh that belief, that commitment, uh, you know, the care, you know, for for the players in our club, you know, has helped, you know, us to be successful. Yeah. I mean it's a
0: it's a very long list of players that you guys have that have come through your pipeline. But I do want to talk a little bit more about Richie just because he's you know he's been in the news lately. He got he he made that big move to the Netherlands and and he's uh he's a key part of this U twenty squad how did when did you realize hey like he's 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 going to be able to make the transition to the academy and he might be a special player like when did when did that occur to you as soon
2: as yeah yes uh, we saw you know flashes we saw this kid you know uh, when they come in at 14 you know you see okay you know uh he's ahead in this and this and that you know he was Uh, uh, training with the academy, playing games with the elite. But when he was playing, at times he would play with the U-18s. He would play with the 17s. He would play with the 15s. We already saw him, you know, not playing academy games, but maybe playing with the U-18s that he could hang, that he was special, that he was, you know, better than than anybody on the field. As soon as he started playing academy, you know, with the U-16s, you know, he he started and he started running the show and we say, okay, you know, that's when we saw, okay, this this kid is going to be special. So, as soon as we saw him play for the Academy 16, uh, that's when we, you know, uh, saw uh, that he was going to be special. And, you know, during this time, you know, at times he will play games, at times he will start, at times, you know, he didn't, you know, he came. You know, at times, uh, or uh, uh, the competition is so intense that, you know, Richie was fragile. Richie will play 50, 60 minutes, and he will start cramping. Uh, yeah. So we had to change uh, some of those things. Uh, uh, he will see himself on the bench. He will see himself not starting. And that's when, when the real Richie came out. Because it's, it, if it's one thing, you know, that Richie uh, uh, likes or enjoys, it's playing in training, he's the best player, in the games, he's the best player, he just loves the game, he loves to play, he loves to express himself, and, you know, uh, that's where he's, that's why he, he, where he's at now, you know, because, you know, he just made that, he started making the, the uh, uh, dealing with those challenges, making that, those jumps, um, um, and, you know, I think, uh, uh, like I said, he's going to be a special player, but the, when he started playing in the Academy, he already started making a difference.
0: Okay. So how much say do you have in which players get um get to you know, get minutes with Real Monarchs or uh, maybe get a homegrown contract? Is that how's that decision sort of made,
2: you know? You know what? The the, the support, like I said, has for those guys. Um you know to uh, be signed as homegrown players uh, for the first team. Uh, the communication with the coaches at that time has been there, and that has been key. You know, talking to you know Craig Weibel at this time. Uh, him in the past was uh, Garth Lagerway and and Bill Manning. Right. You know, uh, I I you know I have them every day. I see him play. I see him you know, in big games uh, and, you know, the competition, uh, the academy competition now in days because of GA Cup, because of, you know, you can go to tournaments like Dallas Cup, you can, you know, in the showcase, in the playoffs, uh, when you play, you know, MLS uh, uh, academies, the comp- it's the best competition you can have. And when, you know, you see them compete, you see them do well in those competitions, you know, then you... You know, we 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 collect uh, evidence, we collect data. You know, games play. You know, competitions. And uh, when we when I talk to Craig, when I talk to Mike, when I try talk to you know uh, Mark Briggs or or Jameson Olave, I have arguments to tell them. Okay, you know what? This kid is ready. This kid's uh, already proved in the academy. You know, he's ahead of of. Uh, Everyone else, he needs to be challenged. He needs to be pushed in, in in that in a in a more competitive environment. And that's Monarchs, or that's the first team. And that support has been there. You know, I I you know that's uh, how uh, um, I have been in in communication with my upper management, with with the coaches uh, that are running Monarchs and the first team, and. You know, uh, uh, it's uh, they respect that and and it's working for us.
0: Okay. Another player is Sebastian Soto. He was, uh, I think he told me he was an attacking midfielder when he first came to RSL. And you were the one who thought he should be a striker. You can correct me if that's wrong, but if it's correct, what did you see in him that you thought would make a good number
2: nine? Well, the first, when uh, when we saw uh, you know Sebastian Soto, you know we were playing a game against his team, the San Diego Surf. At that time, he was playing for San Diego Surf, and right. you know we we uh, uh, um, uh, had um, talked to uh, you know his uncle, you know Eddie Soto, and he had mentioned to me, you know, uh, we would like to. You know, I, I want to tell you. You know, just keep an eye, and maybe we can talk after the game. Um, I think he played as a winger. I think he played up top. I think he played as a ten. You know, and it was just his movement. You know, he was just a smart player without the ball. Yeah. Uh, he he find he found spaces. He found you know he got behind us. Uh, uh, his runs were like wow. These are. You know uh, this kid can move. This kid uh, is always open. This kid, uh, uh, you know, uh, has a, a good um, understanding of of that position, uh, or what he needs to do when he doesn't have the ball. Yeah. So when he came to us, you know, we had a good number ten. We had good players on the wings, and you know, we said, okay, you know, I think he's going to make us better if we play him as a as a number nine, as a striker. And you know uh, he he was open. Uh, he worked. Uh, he you know had to learn other you know uh, uh, things about that position. But he had also a natural talent in that position. And you know we kept pushing him and pushing him. And you know right now I think you know that's uh, uh, it's one of his strengths. You know he moves very well without the ball. And and the one thing that he did. You know, from day one, he just started scoring goals Mm -hmm. in practice, in games, and, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, it's difficult at times to find those goal scorers. So when that happened, when we saw that, you know, we just kept pushing him and pushing him, and I think, you know, going forward, you know, that's just a, a strength and a talent he has. Do you stay in touch with those guys,
0: those two in particular, Richie and Sebastian?
2: You know, uh, uh, we do, uh, I do at times, you know, they reach out. Uh, we had a game in, in, um, in, uh, LA against galaxy in December. And, you know, uh, Sebastian came to say hello to the boys. He was on a little break. Uh, Richie's always, uh, you know, uh, sending texts and, and saying, hi, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're humble. You know, when Richie got signed, um, uh, he sent, I think, all, all of us uh, coaches. Uh, you know, I was very um, – uh, he made my day because uh, the, early in the morning he sent me, you know, uh, uh, an article of him or a photo of him signing for PSV. You know, it's something that they, they, uh, they, they know uh, uh, that uh, if it wasn't for RSL, uh, support, um, you know, they 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 wouldn't have gotten there, you know. I think they're grateful. I think they're, you know, they they uh, uh, they do a good job of of uh, staying in touch with the boys, and you know, whenever we can, you know, we want to know how he's doing, and he reaches out, or we reach out to him. Uh, so that you know, that that made my day. So, and seeing Soto, obviously, also we were very we were all very happy to see him, and for and see and him to see us. That's great.
0: That's great. So those those exits um, with Desma and Soto and before them Taylor Booth were pretty high profile. And RSL, like you said, played a crucial role in developing those players. But then they left for free. And I, I guess I wonder, what are your personal thoughts on that? Um, and what effect has that had at RSL?
2: Well, you know, obviously, we don't like it. I don't like it. I mean, uh, uh, my my job, my role, and and you know, uh, what I'm what I'm doing here for uh, RSL is developing players for the first team, developing players for RSL. Uh, you know, I, I right. uh, when they come in, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm going to develop develop this player for PSB or for Bayern Munich or for you know uh, Hanover um you know uh, so it's uh, i guess uh, it has happened in the past uh, uh, not just to us but other clubs and it's like uh, we it's a it's a, a horrible feeling of frustration because you know these clubs are taking our players uh right. and not us us not getting rewarded financially as not you know being able to do anything um, uh, so as a club, yes, uh, it's difficult, uh, as coaches, uh, you know, or, uh, for the academy, you know, it's frustrating, um, you know, hopefully going forward, you know, we can do something about it because, you know, we continue to see the talent that, that we're, uh, identifying and selecting. And, you know, when they come in, uh, we're going to continue to, you know, uh, Fine reaches and fine Soto's and fine fine Taylor boots, uh, and you know uh, I think uh, what we want to see is see them play you know with the first team. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's a bad uh, feeling, Adam. It, it's frustrating, very frustrating for us.
0: I mean, what could have what could have been done? Just signing signing Ledesma to a homegrown contract earlier, or. I mean, I I know it was reported. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, uh, uh, signing them early, identifying you know, um, uh, or 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 you know, putting those contracts uh, uh, sooner, you know. But at the same time, Adam, you know, this uh, players like you know Taylor, like uh, Richie, like uh, Soto um you know they have been part of the u16s they have been part of the u17s of the u18s of the u20s and when they go play uh tournaments in spain in france uh you know or in europe anywhere in europe you know they see another world you know Uh, they see what's out there and you know it also has to do with with their dreams it also has to do with their goals you know and and i'm i'm uh, I think it's great that they have those goals and they, those dreams, you know. Um, but I think, you know, uh, we can achieve those goals. We can achieve those dreams and, you know, they can. Uh, um, uh, it, it's a process, you know, playing for our first team and then going to Europe. I mean, it will be a win-win situation for everyone, you know. Uh, um, but, you know, uh uh, it's something also that's out there, and, and uh, uh, it's it's very uh, appealing. Of course, yeah. Well, fair enough.
0: What what chance do David Achoa and Luis Arriaga have of getting first team minutes in 2019? Do you have any sense of that, or are they likely to play with the Monarchs?
2: You know what? There's a, there's a plan uh, for them. There's a projection. <clears throat> that um, you know, uh, Craig and Mike and us <clears throat> coaches uh, have put together uh, to you know for these guys uh, to get to the first team, and you know they can shorten that process. You know, Luis can shorten that process by you know continuing to score goals and and playing well. You know, uh, David Ochoa uh, can shorten that process by you know getting on the field with uh, you know training and preparing himself. You know, it's up to them. It's something that we preach uh, here in the academy, you know, because uh, we continue to see that uh, that pattern. You know, some uh, 15-year-olds come in and they're ready to play for the 18s. Some 18s, uh, when they start playing for the 18s, uh, they already, you know, can they need a, a bigger challenge to play for the, you know, and that's to play for the first team or Monarchs. You know, so it's in their... It's in their hands, you know. Mm. Uh, they have shown at the, you know, national team level, at the, you know, uh, academy level, you know that they're, you know, uh, they're talented. They they have qualities, you know. Uh, Mike, uh, Petke is aware, and you know I think when they're ready, you know that's when, when, uh, you know, when they'll put them in, you know. But right now there's a plan there's a projection, you know, put together and, you know, every day they, we're working on that. Okay. Uh, the sooner the better, you know, if, if it's five months, great. If it's two months, great. If it's a year, two years, it's okay. Also, they're only 17 years old. Uh, you okay. know, they need the challenge of playing uh, players uh, playing games with Monarchs, training with Monarchs, playing games with, you know, uh, the first team training with the first team, they're ready for that.
0: Okay. One more player I want to ask about is uh, Jordan Pena. He's a number six who was injured last year, but I'm hearing he's been playing very well this season. What's, uh, what can you tell us about him? What's the outlook for him?
2: I, you know, he's, a, a, a we, you know, me as the academy director, I have to uh meet with um you know uh, Mr. Hansen I have to meet with Craig I have to meet with Mike you know with uh Mark or or Jameson Olave uh and you know um, uh technical staff from RSL and we talk about you know players uh, that are ready for Monarchs, for the first team and we put a plan you know we put a plan together uh we know uh, who are our top 5 players right now who are our top 8 you know, uh, and so on. Uh, so we, there is a plan for Jordan. You know, we know, uh, uh, unfortunately, he had, you know, uh, uh, an injury that, you know, uh, uh, last year, and uh, he came back, and now, finally, you know, he's showing the form that that uh, uh, he had um, when he was already considered. You know, he went to a couple of uh, camps with the U16s. You know, he was, um, showing that that uh, that progress, that development mm-hmm. of being a special player, being a different player, he's <clears throat> on his way to recover that form, and you know he's he's also a, a player that there's a plan for him. Uh, so hopefully we can you know um, uh, you know continue to push him and get him to the first team.
0: You've been in the DA since it sort of turned the corner in twenty twelve, became much more professional. A two part question, I guess. Would Richie Ledesma have been identified uh as a player ten years ago? And then as a system that produces soccer talent, identifies and produces soccer talent, what is the biggest improvement you've seen in the
2: development academy in your eight years in your job? The biggest improvement I've seen in um, the academy has been uh, the competition, you know, has been the uh, uh, coaches' education, uh, has been the, the you know, uh, um, uh, international competition, uh, and mm-hmm. um, you know that has been uh, the biggest uh, game changer in in the academy at the academy level. Uh, I think MLS and US Soccer have done a good job of, you know, continuing. Uh, coaches education, providing coaches education at the, you know, uh, uh, at the highest level. Uh, they're requiring, um, you know, for coaches at coach academy to have, uh, you know, a B license and a license. You know, so, so it only it, it's going to get better and better. The competition, you know, providing the best competition, uh, pushing players uh, in the best competition. It's also. You know, a game changer and a big changer, and that has that's what has happened. You know, and I think uh, uh, the number of games uh, that uh, your teams, your players, uh, can play uh, in one season. Um, you know, just to uh, uh, give you a fact, uh, for years. I mean, I will say three, four years uh, with our U18 team with our U16 team, because we were um, competing in the D.A. We were playing games uh, G.A. Cup. Uh, we were going to Dallas Cup. We were going to the showcase. We were going to playoffs. You know, these players, uh, these teams were playing 40, 45 games a year. And I think that also has, a, has been a game changer in the last... Uh, Eight ten years in the uh, in the academy, or since two eleven, twenty eleven, twenty twelve. Uh, if we continue, you know, to to be consistent, you know, with these game changers, I think, you know, it's only going to get better. Um, the Richie question about, you know, if we were going to be able to find them in ten years, you know, I think uh, U.S. soccer uh, has grown. Uh, I think uh, there's more scouts. I think there's more uh, platforms. There's more opportunities to, you know, find uh, players like Richie and, and and now than in 10 years. So I don't know. Maybe we would have missed out on Richie, um, but with the uh, academy in place, um, I think um, uh, that's uh, the difference from now and 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay
0: what's the what's the biggest uh, area for improvement that's needed in the in the development academy from your perspective
2: I will I will say you know uh, uh, meaningful games I will say competitive games I will say you know uh, more games um, uh, I think uh, I, I I already, you know, mentioned to you the uh, uh, coaches' education. I think a lot of coaches are are educating and 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 growing. Uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, also, um, you know, uh, for us uh, uh, in the MLS, uh, you know, to push, uh, you know, our younger, push more younger players. You know, to play in in games. You know, we've seen a big change in in uh, in countries like England lately, uh, uh, Germany. You know, even Mexico. Uh, so I think that will be also you know uh, a way uh, for us you know to be more successful. Okay.
0: Well, you're sort of the the ultimate dual national, having played for both Me- the Mexican and US national teams and you know there are lots of lots of the best talent in the country is uh, is Mexican American Richie uh Ulyanes, Alex Mendez um Efren Alvarez and they and they take you know they all have sort of a different approach to who they're going to play for you know how that how that works out what's your what do people who are not dual nationals Who are not Mexican Americans need to understand about what those uh, you know the choices that those kids face and what what they're up against. Does that does that question make sense?
2: Um, ask me again, uh, just to uh, be clear. Yeah, Uh, ask me again. What do
0: what do you think people who who don't grow up in a dual national household? What do we? What should we understand about the choices that um, someone who does uh, has in front of them?
2: Well, I, you know, I think the opportunities come to everyone. You know, I think, uh, you know, you mentioned in Mendes and, and Ephraim and and Richie. You know, I I think the opportunities they're having right now. Uh, I think they're getting those opportunities because they're good players not because they're Mexican american oh, um, for sure for you sure you know and 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 that's you know and that's something that you know uh, uh they have to you know make a decision because of you know the rules uh but others that don't you know don't have uh that um um uh, problem or that issue or or that dual citizenship i mean i think the the opportunities are going to come to them because you know, of their quality because, you know, uh, they're, uh, you know, they're good players. Um, does that answer your question?
0: Yeah, sort of. I mean, I guess a lot of people worry, you know, a lot of people, a lot of U S fans worry about this, you know, Jonathan Gonzalez, uh, left the U.S. US youth national team setup to play for Mexico. And, um, I guess I just, I just since you are a dual national, I just want to get any thoughts that you have on on the subject. You know, is should U.S. soccer be doing something better? Uh, is it just something that it's a personal choice and and that's it? Or you know, anything you well, can say on the you subject?
2: Know, I think U.S. soccer is identifying these players. You know, they're they're in the academy system, and you know, maybe it's the same thing that that uh, uh, also us, uh, uh, RSL, to be able to keep, you know, Soto and Taylor Booth and and Richie and uh, U.S. soccer to keep these guys, uh, you know, not lose on on Jonathan Gonzalez and, you know, keep Mendez and keep Richie from going to Mexico, then, you know, we have to be proactive. We have to, you know, let them know that there's a a plan for them and, uh, you know, uh, sit with them, you know, uh, to let them know, and and, and then, you know, it, it will become a much easier decision. And, you know, you feel good as a club or you feel good as a federation, you know, being proactive. So if you were Greg
0: Burhalter, you would uh, be calling Alex Mendez, sounds like.
2: <laughs> uh, you know what? It's, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, after, after uh, being Jurgen's assistant, you know yes you know uh imagine you're um a head coach of your national team you know showing interest for you to one day play for your for your uh um country i mean i think that's huge you know um uh, that, uh, if, if that's what we need to do so we don't lose on on big you know talents on on special players on you know game changers then you know, maybe that's what it takes.
0: Okay. This has been awesome, Martin. Thank you so much. Is there anything? Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Anything I should be asking?
2: I, you know, I, I think I said it, but I will say it again. I want to make sure that you know, uh, um, you know, the credit uh, of um, all these players that you mentioned and uh, we're developing. You know, it's it's uh, uh, it's credit to to our club, it's credit to our organization, it's credit to, you know, the support uh, that, you know, uh, is provided by, you know, by the technical staff, by the, you know, coaching staff, by, you know, everyone uh, in the organization. Um, you know, I, I think uh, um, uh, Mr. Hansen wants to, you know, he believes in, in, in you know, what we're doing. You know, and and I think Craig and and Mike and you know all of us uh, support that, and and we you know uh, we take it uh, this with a lot of pride. You know, we wanna you know be that uh, we wanna be you know not just in in the U.S. Uh, be, be the you know one of the uh, best uh, developer developer of players, uh, but you know, one day we want to compete internationally or, you know, against some in the world in, in the world. So, um, it's a team effort. It's a, it's a team work. And, um, I just want to make sure that everyone else uh, that it's not mentioned, they've done their part. They've done a good job of, of, um, helping all this, uh, young players that, that we have, that have come out from our Academy.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, you, you guys already are the, you know, certainly in taking into account the size of your market, you are the best academy in the U.S. And um, kudos for that. Congratulations for that. Thank you for all your hard work and for all the hard work of everybody else at
2: RSL. Thank you for the opportunity, Adam. Thank you. I, you know, uh, uh, look forward to in the future, you know, uh, when there's a chance, you know, continue to, to uh, share this with you. You are welcome back anytime,
0: anytime. Thank you, for, thank you for your time today. Have a good weekend. You too.
2: Thank you.